to the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast, where we feature unscripted interviews with graduates of the United States Military Academy Class of 1991. The Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast with your host, Jamie Schleck, starts now. All right, so uh, welcome, everybody, to the uh, the the 2020 edition of the Old Grad Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Jamie Schleck, and we're here with our uh, very wonderful guest, uh, Ingrid Powell Dawkins. And um, Ingrid, I'm, I'm sorry for the technical difficulties. One of these days, I'm going to get one of these damn things off the ground without technical difficulties, because it seems like every friggin' time, and this time, it was, it's never my fault, right? Or it's always my fault, no excuse, but Facebook just changed something with their licensing and it requires me to buy some new software to get the licensing squared away. So hopefully I will get it, uh, I will get it going before our next uh, podcast. So. Um, I'm just happy to be here. Thank you so much, Jamie, for thinking of me. Oh my goodness. Well, I, I, what a, what a wonderful uh, treat this is to have you here tonight uh, talking to us. And uh, this is Oscar night. So thank you everybody that's uh, missing the Oscars to join us tonight. Um, we actually have a chat feature here, so if you guys are logged in, like I see so many people are, you can actually chat. You can chat to us, and actually, you can even even listen in. You can also uh, comment because we're on the Zoom uh, this Zoom line that can take up to fifty people. So, wow. fortunately for me, I had, I had access to this thing. This was my plan was to have Zoom going and then have it live on Facebook, but it wasn't working for us. So, so Ingrid, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. So. Snowy day in Ohio. It, so what? It's snowing like uh, that. How? What kind of? Uh, what kind of accumulation? We've had a, a fairly, uh, really warm actually uh, winter in the Northeast. I don't think it snowed once at all. Wow. Well, it, tonight is when it really got started. We had a couple inches yesterday, but tonight it's like coming down pretty good. So it's hard to do. So yeah. How long have you lived in uh, Cleveland for? Uh, we've been here 12 years now, maybe thir 13, 13 years now. Prior to that, we were in California. Prior to that, we were in Switzerland. Prior to that, we were in Ohio. And then before that, we were in the military. <laughs> All over the place. So, so give me the rundown. Your husband, kids, what, what's the story? Okay. So I, I'll just start kind of from graduating, you know, just quickly because you know I met Mark is a class 92 and um you know we were, he's a totally air defense artillery we were in the military for um you know five six years for him almost seven for me but we were our last job were at outreach and then from there from outreach at West Point we went out into corporate America at Procter and Gamble and then um we had three girls in less than three years and and we were in Switzerland during that time frame from Switzerland, we came to Cincinnati, Ohio, with the headquarters. But the girls now today are 19, 20, 21, and then that little boy that's 12. So, yeah, we're all there. You know, one's a senior in college. Um, my oldest so who, daughter. Uh, who's, who's a senior in college? That's Kyra. She's in New York. So she's um, at Columbia, you know, with your daughter, who's at Burner and as a freshman. Right, so, at Kyra is a senior. She's a senior yeah. at Columbia. So she's your oldest. She is. Yeah, she's the. Yeah, she's the brainiac, and um. And then Kendra is the one that is. She has pretty severe autism, but if she didn't, she'd be an Olympic athlete. She keeps us all on her feet. And then Corey is. She just ran up the stairs. 
she's a freshman in college and she's here locally now at college. She usually stays in a dorm, but she's gonna go there in the morning. But um, she's our freshman and then Mason's our little Mr. Athlete, um, he's 12. And you know, Mark's got three girls that look like him and the son that looks like me. Looks like you? <laughs> yes. I think that's the way it is in my family too. My, my uh, well, actually, I mean, my girls, if there's a pretty version of me, which there really isn't, I, I, but you know, but they, I'm told they look more like me than they look like my wife, but my boys, right, yeah, right. My yeah, but you know how bad this man, he wanted a boy and then the boy comes out, you know, all these girls, oh, that must be your daughter, that must be your daughter, so he plays basketball and he's pretty good at it, and um, it's funny because there'll be this kid on the floor that's doing really well and he's sitting out there and and they'll be talking about Mason and stuff, and then they'll go, well, which one is your son? You'd be like, that's my son right there. <laughs> that one right son. there. <laughs> they don't believe it's his son. So it's like, yeah, I believe it's my son, though. Kids so are a lot of fun. Who's the real athlete in the family? He's, a, he's, he's really into basketball, you said, right? Yeah, my son is. Yeah, he is really into basketball. Their, their AAU team was 25th. You know, again, they're young, so they're 11 years. They were 11 year olds last year. They were 25th in the nation. And you know, again, what does it mean right now? Not a whole lot, but they they work hard. Yeah, don't but, don't qualify. Don't take it away from them. That's pretty impressive. No, I'm not. I'm just saying. Just can't be. These parents are crazy when it comes to these sports. So I'm not. I'm not going to do that either. Yeah, I know that. I know that for a fact. I've yeah. been, I've been, I've done all this. I've done every sport there is. Right, right, right. Yeah, and they all just require a lot of time and travel. Literally, you know, we're in Vegas, we're in, you know, Myrtle Beach. You're all over the country with, you know, little kids sports. So, and it just gets more intense from there. But it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Is your 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 daughter who's at Columbia? Is she playing any sports? Is she? Uh, she... No, she did crew when she was at Exeter. She went to Phillips Exeter for high school. She did crew there, and they did pretty well. I mean, they're real serious about crew. Their their uh, coaches were both Olympic, both in the Olympics. Um, so that was her sport. And then once she got to New York, she just wanted to focus mostly on academics. She didn't even she didn't, I don't even think she tried out for the crew team. So that was her sport. She's real tall. Well, she's tall for a girl. She's like six, six one, and um, real strong. She could be an athlete, but she's more of she's more cerebral. And then um, my daughter Corey, the third one, she's the one that did well in all sports in high school. She was probably MVP every every sport she played: volleyball, softball, and basketball. So she's 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 my the one that really took to sports more so. In terms of girls, so, but so so two you got two of them out of the nest basically, and then and then two still at home with you, right? Right, right. Yeah. Have so you kids will be with me forever. Yeah. So Corey wants to say hi. Okay. Why you walk over here, lady? Hello. Hey, Corey. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to the you? Old Grad Podcast. <laughs> Congratulations on 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 all your successes and uh, and um, and raising such wonderful parents. Yeah. Thank you. Did you hear that? Raising such wonderful parents. Yeah. She's the one that requires a lot of parental intervention. Oh, yeah? What? She's having a good time in college. <laughs> yeah. 
so um, so 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 you get two two out of two out of the house, two in the house. Um, right. Uh, and and your husband, he works he works locally there in uh, in Cleveland area. Well, no, yeah, he well he works for a company called Worldwide Stationery. He pretty much um, has a home office, but he travels most of the time um, for what he does. He's pretty much. Uh, the the CEO is in Hong Kong, so outside Hong Kong, he pretty much runs the company for him um, in other parts of the world. Does so, he have to travel a lot? Yeah, he's traveled a lot. He was supposed to go to Hong Kong even this week, but they, you know, all all flights to Hong Kong have been canceled for now. So, but it's, yeah, he travels quite a bit. Yeah, because the whole yeah. coronavirus thing. Right. 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 I yeah. I think actually you know what I am off of this thing. You can hear me okay, right? I can hear you. Yeah, I'm I'm actually not even on this. I don't even need to use this this thing because this thing didn't work. My uh my headset didn't even work for this uh for this thing, so I don't even need it. I'm, we're just on a regular regular uh, speaker. So. Wait, I heard you better before. I can still hear oh, you though. Oh, you you can't hear me as well. No. Wait, so now, hold on. That is better. What's uh, better? That with, when you're speaking through the microphone. With, really? Huh. Yep. That's, that is weird. Okay. I will then, I will stay on it then. Are you sure? No. Okay. So you hear me better now? I do. Okay. So then I guess, I guess you know what's happening is that the microphone is going through this uh, Zoom thing, but not the, uh, not the sound, not your sound back to me. Right. Right. Cool. Yeah, so Keith said he can hear you clearly on Zoom. Okay, cool. So. Hey, so tell me something. How did you get the name? I heard people refer to you as Grits. Grits. What's, yeah, why Grits? What has the nickname Grits come come to be your name? Uh, you know, it's funny because when I was like in fourth grade, there was this kid that used to tease me and call me Grits. And I never told that story to like older. So at the tr one time at track practice as a plebe. Um, uh, his name's Mike. He was a he was a he was a, a yearling at the time. He, out of nowhere, he started calling me Grits, but like for in Grits, like instead of a D a T. So the last four, um, so it became so it stuck. So it went from everybody at the track team calling me Grits to like everybody calling me Grits, and people still call me Grits. So I turned it into. Did they call you that at the prep school too? I thought that was a prep school. No, name. it wasn't. It wasn't. It, it was. It started at, It started up again at um at in, at track and field at West Point as a fleet. You know, somebody just I don't know where started calling me grits and it just took off like wildfire. So I've been grits ever since. Huh, how about that? Right, right. So, so grits. I'll take that. I'll take it as grits as needing grits for this challenging um path that I have and. You know, that's one of my and, specialties that I cook is grits. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Along with those uh, 100 uh, sweet potato pies, too, that you do every year, it's, too, right? Tell me yeah, about that. Yeah. 100, you, you cook 100 sweet potato pies a year? Right. Well, specifically at Thanksgiving, I'll do 100. This, uh, and that was, again, started by that whole story backs up to my grandmother, who uh, passed away at 101. But it was what, what, when we were little, she'd always have us do community, really just, like, to the family and friends and, and the people in the neighborhood, we bake stuff for them. And then 
the story with her is she always lived in Hollywood, California, and my aunt lived on literally the corner of La Brea and Hollywood Boulevard. So the Star Walk started right where she lived. But wherever I lived in the world, she would FedEx me cookies, rolls, cakes, even at our 100th birthday. You know, her last box was, she was 101, it was Father's Day, and she called me. And we were living in Ohio at the time because this was 2016. And she's like, Ingrid, that was my last box. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm done. Tired. <laughs> I'm 101 years old. I'm done cooking. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired. It's my last box. So that was June of 2016. And she died in July. She literally called me on that Monday and said, you know, I'm, I'm about to go home. You know, meaning I'm going to die. And she died on that Wednesday. So wow. she knew what she was doing to the very last day. She said bye to me, and she was she 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 was she used to crack jokes all the time. Like she was funny till the end. Never lost her mind. You know, she would talk about her. You know, physically. I mean, she could walk and everything. So we went there for her hundredth birthday um, in California, Hollywood, California, and we're all in her apartment, like myself, my brother, and some other friends there. And she's with her walker, walking really fast. And she's like pushing people out of the way. I'm like, all y'all in my way. I'm like, okay, grandma. So she was a trip to the end. Back Did on, she back live close to you growing up? Like when you were, when you were growing up in, uh, you grew in New York? Yeah, she moved to, well, she stayed there until I was about 12 years old. And then she, my aunt who was in commercials like all the time. And she did a whole bunch of like sitcoms and all these like uh, supporting roles or um, even extra roles. Um, she did commercials a lot. Well, anyway, she moved to California, like, when I was 12. Um, my dad's sister. And so my grandmother went with her to help her get, you know, so she'd have, like, a babysitter for my um, cousin that was born a couple years later, that type of thing. So she was there to support her. Sounds like she had also the original uh, grit uh, person, huh? Living to 101. and Oh, she and- was spicy. She was a handful literally so yeah I, I mean she moves really she moved fast she never stopped but when she worked up until she was like 89 you know wow <laughs> you know, just let her work yeah so yeah she was she was uh very inspiring in that regard everybody knew who she was and so even in her building again she was always cooking for everyone you know everybody's just going to grandma grandma <laughs> girl this is That's your my dad's, dad's mom. Your dad's yeah, mom. Yeah, my mom's mom lived to be 80, 88. She died. She died after my mom died. She literally died when my mom. My mom was one of seven, but you know she and my mom had the close relationship. So my mom died in um, I thought was ninety five when my mom passed away. My grandmother died in ninety six, but my grandmother was helping take care of my mom in those that last year or so when the cancer had just returned. So when I was at school, she had cancer. My mom did. It was pretty bad, but then it went to remission for a while, and then um, in '95 she's when she passed away, and then '96. Maybe... Oh, yeah. good. So '96 is when my grandmother passed. She she literally her heart there was her heart was bleeding. That literally was it. Her heart was bleeding, and um. Having lost well. your mom. Yeah. So she. Yeah, it was it was just weird that it happened like that. Wow. Yeah, she was a handful too. Funny as ever. But yeah, so the whole West Point thing when I was there, I think we, when we were talking before, just in terms of me coming from North New Jersey, like the hood for real, 
I mean, for all those out, classmates out there that came to visit me <laughs> that would come home or have been to where I'm from, it's like New Jack City for real. So, um, <laughs> so that was nice. So you grew up, so let's go back to like pre West Point, like high yeah, school, yeah. 1983 to 1986, like you're a right, freshman. Right. Is it, was it a public school that you went to in, in Newark? Yeah, well see, so now Hillside High is considered, like Hillside, where I went to high school versus where I grew up going to elementary school are, are kind of different because Fairmont Avenue was like, um, Newark proper. So Hillside at that time would be considered hood adjacent, meaning like it was still a hood, but it wasn't like you weren't getting shot every minute going up and down the street. So um, Hillside High School was the high school I went to. And it was still, that was pretty, they were, it was a predominantly, it was still a mixed community, I should say. Whereas um, Hillside was. Yeah, it was. So you had, you had kids from every background there, um, which in terms of, uh, nationality, even socioeconomic background there. So, but um, prior to that, living in North New Jersey, no, it was all, all inner city, really rough type so of you, environment. you played sports and stuff in high school, I assume? You were like a, probably a yeah, you know, athlete? Yeah, all the West Point stuff, like the state champion and, you know, really good at sport, all, breaking records, that kind of thing. Yeah, typical athletic. West Point background, I would say. But, so then, how did how did uh, how did West Point come onto the radar for you? Like, what made you what made you know of it? Go? What, uh, actually, yeah. it, was, it was a summer job. I was working at um, City Hall, and I was you know being being the athlete, class president, all that stuff. I was pretty close with. Uh, we had this one position in our community where you were assistant to the superintendent. It was to the superintendent of the school. Dr. Abella was his name. He was like the godfather, really strong Italian accent. This man loved me. So he would literally take me everywhere he went. And um, he uh, called one day when I was at City Hall working for one of his friends. And he was like, you know, Ingrid, do you ever think about West Point? And I literally sound like the godfather. I was like, I know, don't know what West Point is. So, um, from that point, he got me the information, and he, you know, and I looked into it, and that's how that whole thing came up. In terms had of he, so had he sent other students to West Point, why did he think out of uh, just you uh, West Point because, would be the thing? I think because of the the athletic leadership connection, you know, being the um, again, I was the super, I was assistant to the superintendent, I was class president, I was captain of the track team, I, you know, whatever. You all the things West Point wants. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was like third in my class. I actually used to be smart. I was smart before West Point. Yeah. I used to get good grades. Hey, you graduated with a three eight. <laughs> I know right. that. In December, <laughs> that's what you told me on the pre-call. No, no, no. Three point eight. It was like 2-0 and go. Okay. I know, but I know, but three point eight in, in that December. So we want to talk about being a December grad because that's all. That's not. We haven't gotten a chance to speak about th that. I mean, we've spoken a lot about. The prep school, I think the prep school is a really interesting uh, uh, topic that we've, you know, delved into on, on, on other podcasts. I didn't really realize, I think, at West Point as much as I do now, what a strong subculture yes. the prep school is. Because it, yes. like, like you know, everybody's got a few, you're all, sprinkled out, you're all sprinkled out throughout the core, 
but actually you all know each other very well. And then within that, within that um, community, there's really three distinct sub communities, right? You've got your prior service people, you've got your athletes, and then you've got your academic um, people that want another year of academic um, growth. Right. And there's a lot of all those. So you were really in that third category, right? You were in the category of like, this is a person that um, is, is, we want to redshirt her for another year of sports development and also academic development. And this is, and then you show up day one and, and your roommate is, is who? Um, my roommate for that. What you mean at, um, at prep school. Oh, oh, at prep school. Oh, Monique. Yeah. Yes, that was crazy. That, so yeah, she, because she's prior service, so she knows she's kind of got the drill down and everything. And you're just like, like little clueless high school. Prior service. We're she wasn't. To, uh, no, we're I she was prior service. Heck no, she wasn't prior service. Her mom and her dad were, were in service, but she was still high school. Oh, I thought she was prior service. Okay. No. So both uh-huh. of you guys were just like. We we're both just slapping. Just trying to just, just get, you know what I mean, getting yelled at by the drill sergeant. Plus, you know, the thing for me, though, I came late because my mom was really sick and I was taking care of her. So she had shingles. Um, my mom did. I never had, I had, I had never had chicken pox. So we, we show, all show up at uh, Fort Dix for in processing. And, um, and I all of a sudden get a fever. And I'm like, why am I sick? And uh, I've got like a couple bumps on my arm, but nothing crazy like big rashes or whatever and I go and they're like you have chicken pox and I quarantined me and I was stuck at Fort Dix for like two weeks and so everybody else went on to prep school so here I come showing up you know two weeks after prep school started you know and it, like who's this new who's the transfer student right exactly you know it was a, it was a mess but they did you, you know, like not have your uniforms you show up you don't have your uniforms you got like you know uh, uh, my hair is long i mean you know for the uniform the the drill sergeants are just eating me alive it was awful it was horrible it was horrible i think it was monique it was in the bathroom just cutting my hair with some scissors i mean it was, it was a mess it was a mess so uh yeah it was it was a rough it was a rough uh transition but what's cool about that, though, is that now you st- when you go to West Point, you actually have this whole group of, of other people that are uh, that are like, you know, connected that you're connected to that you that, you know, like if you're like exactly. delivering laundry down in some random company and you see a name on the door, you can you know that they're your classmate potentially. Yeah. 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 The person I remember the most um, when we first got there in terms of the, the girls is, is who I'm not surprised is where she's an arm around. It's Chris Badavecchia. Because at right. that point, you know. General, I, general Chris Badavecchia. Yes. So, and I'm not surprised she's a general because we got to prep school. She already, like, I could do maybe two push-ups. Um, you know what I'm saying? Well, she was already just doing, just knocking them out push-ups and stuff I'm like, man, you know, I could run but I couldn't do any push-ups but she was already she had been training all summer she was ready to go like I am here to do business here I am just coming out of the hospital from chicken box I'm like I'm just trying to make it through the day you know <laughs> so your mom is it just a car your mom had shingles but she had she been diagnosed with cancer before you yeah, she um at that point no she had some other like immune things going on but she had not been diagnosed with cancer 
So when did because it was during West Point then I guess that she was diagnosed. Right. With so right. when did that happen? Yeah. So it was it was actually while I was at prep school that she got diagnosed with cancer myeloma, and then I mean she went. I mean it just got worse in terms of her ability to even move. It was really bad. Um, so it, it was uh, so it was skin cancer then. Melanoma. No, it was myelinoma. My, it was like the myelin sheath on the Ooh. bones. It was, so it was like, so it, oh. it was, it affected her bones. Yeah. So it was rough. It was really bad. Um, so for a while. You that, know, must have been t- that must have been tough. I mean, obviously you're there. You're, are you her only daughter? No, I'm the youngest though. Like there's a, a there's an eight year, gets four. And then the eight years later, there's me. So. Okay. They were pretty You're much. one of five. I'm one of five. I'm the youngest You're the baby. The baby went to West Point. The baby went to West Point. Yeah. And so my uh, oldest brother is 16 years older. And then there's this eight years between the four of them. And then eight years later, I came. Mm. Yeah. So that's how that worked. And you said, you said growing up, you felt other people felt like you guys were a rich family. Well, rich in terms of the fact that we had um, a father. Like, so my mom and dad were married, you know. So again, going back to this neighborhood where I grew up, uh, it literally was something like out of a Spike Lee movie. We had the block club. Like, we we didn't know we were, we didn't want for anything. We had the block club where um, my mom, the parents, like they would get, they would do, um, have girls everywhere. They'd make these dinners, they'd raise money. And we'd always have bus rides to like Great Adventure, all the different amusement parks. Um, everybody just kind of came together for for like street watch and that kind of stuff. Um, even one thing that I took, so there's Dr. Cooper, the only white man left in the whole neighborhood. Dr. Cooper lived, still lived on our street. He was a pediatrician. Every um, Halloween, he would rent a truck of hot dogs and give out like you know hundreds of hot dogs in the community so you have hundreds of people coming like before trick treating hour started to come get a hot dog so in my adult life I, that's what i do in my neighborhood you know everybody comes here say trick or treating starts between six and eight they all come to my house get a hot dog now everybody's grown but when the kids were all little we right. have you know like 50 kids over here get a hot dog before you go go around trick or treating that was my that's what dr cooper left legacy for me but um yeah, in terms of that, we were only we were one of a few families, probably one of two families in the entire neighborhood that had a father, like you know, that was a whole family. Mom and dad married. All five kids were from those parents, and there was a male figure that was the father present. So that's what made us quote rich in that regard. But in terms of monetary, um, you know, my dad, uh, he was the, later on. Um, he was a foreman. He got promoted to foreman at a like copper mill place. He worked for a copper copper mill, and then that's when we moved to Hillside, New Jersey, which you know in a small house, but you From know it's a big deal for us as opposed to an apartment. Right. Right. And so then, so then you're so it must have been difficult. So you're. You had, you had older siblings to kind of look after your mom, but you're the baby and she's your mom. And, and so. Yeah, they like, were not. I mean, they were not looking after her. No, they were gone. Let me see. So by the time this whole thing's happened with my mom, I'm older. I'm like 16, 17, you know, 18. 
prep school. I'm 18. Um, so they're mostly gone. My oldest brother is now. So, you know, I had 16 to 18. He's already in his 30s. And um, my sister had already, well, she was already out of the picture. Then my two younger brothers, the one that's eight years old and one that's nine years old, those are the two that were just struggling with, you know, they had a completely different lifestyle than I did too, just because. Because they grew up, they were actually, I mean, you, you moved, yeah. to, but they grew up like in that neighborhood. They grew in up it. in it. I mean, Superfly, all of that stuff was for real. I mean, you know, like the gangs, I mean, lost a lot of friends. So when you're little, you still like kind of vicariously seeing what's happening with your teenage brother, with your sister. My sister was good. She was a good girl. I just remember when she would sometimes play jump with, with, with the little kids. And I remember one of the girls around her age holding a baby said to her, why are you playing with those little girls? And my sister responded, well, I'd rather play with a little girl than have a little girl. And so it was a mindset that, you know, it was, it, was, it was really rough. I remember being outside. We would have, it was a neighborhood where you needed to run the house and get on the floor because there was shooting going on. That happened more than once. Really? Yeah, yeah it was that kind of neighborhood. And, and then all my cousins, again, lived on Lincoln Street, which is, which is what, <laughs> again, New Jack City. I am well, not you said, well, just, uh, not, not to jump around, but you had a cousin who was very, um, well known in, among the, the the streets of Newark, right? Right, and right. So later, much so. Later, yeah. So tell me the story about what happened later in the army with that cousin. Yeah. So so much so. Now that I'm a West Pointer. You go to your first unit, and and the soldiers always want to know, you know, how are you? Uh, you're you're a black West Pointer. There's no way you can be from New Jersey. I'm like, I'm from Newark. I'm trying to tell the soldier who's also from Newark. So then he starts asking me questions about, you know, where where I go to school, who, who's my family. So then I tell him that, you know, so-and-so is my cousin. They went to Central High School. And they're like, huh, that's your cousin? And then for some reason, when I mentioned that name, the word got out that I was his cousin and, like, no soldiers <laughs> would bother me at don't, all. Don't mess with LT. Don't mess with <laughs> oh LT. He's connected. So what it was, was, what was his name? His street name was Hawk. Hawk. Right. H-O-K, Hawk. Yes, yes. So it's like, I, I think it was H-A-Q, actually, how, is how it was. Okay. For something else. I don't know. Don't, don't give me the line. I, I don't really know what. But anyway, when I finally did get to see him, it was a couple of years later. I was like, I don't know who you are or what you do. But let me tell you what, you helped me out way down in Louisiana. That's crazy. That is crazy. So you um, get through prep school, show up day one at Beast, and who, who are your, who's your roommate there? I think we had two roommates. It was, uh, a, well, Bonnie Blanchard, the five girls were – so five girls in B1. So company B1, which has historically been um, like boys one. boys one, I mean, way back in the day. Um, but especially you know, at this point, because whatever the drama was, it had just happened the year before we got there. Okay. In terms of running the girls out of a class of, was it 88, I want to say? Whatever it was, it, it was still fresh. Like the whole 
it happened before we got there, but whatever it was, it was still fresh for for the academy. So they wanted so, to ensure. Let's just back. Let's put a pin in this for a second. So the story was, as I, I as I know it, that they actually ran out all of the women cadets from a specific year in that company. Right. Right. So there was no there was no female there was no female B one in one specific year group, whether it was 88 exactly. or 87 or something, they ran them all out. Right, right, right. Exactly. So it must have been 87 because we had some in 88. But it, cause it happened before we showed up. Yeah, so when we get there, it's five of us. And, um, you know, we, we heard about it, but it, I, I didn't feel like it was a significant part of our existence. We were aware of the whole B1 thing, but I didn't feel I didn't feel uh, like threatened by that whole thing that just happened, mm-hmm. but it was also helpful. I do, I, I do remember just being there and again, still relatively straight out of the hood. What I mean by that is like, and, and I'm thinking it was all kind of silly um, just in terms of, I remember crossing the FIBA going into C1 and oh my gosh, cross the FIBA and everybody, mm-hmm. mom in my face yelling. And I'm like, in my head, I'm, I'm on the outside. I'm supposed to be scared, so I have to pretend that I'm scared. But on the inside, I'm like, "Is that all you got? You don't have no gun. <laughs> you don't have no gun pointing through my face. I mean, no knives. What's up? Come right. on, is this it? But yeah, so but um, it was all crazy. But it was it was still intense, and there were t- and I was scared in that moment I wasn't scared because it was just over the top we had like 15 upperclassmen in my face I'm like okay this is ridiculous I literally just walked across the hall but um yeah but that moment I just remember just thinking is this it if I can I can get through this the yelling and the screaming in my face as long as nobody pulls the trigger so our lady classmates who were in your company it was you it was Bonnie Blanchard Lisa Buzzkirk Gail Curley and Elisa Tharps. Yes. Yes. Now we talked about this before on another podcast. I mean, being a woman at West Point is tough. Being a woman of color is also even tougher. Being an African American woman at West Point is rare. We started with 17 African American female classmates who graduated with, you said nine, Seven. seven, seven, seven. So it's a higher attrition rate and everything else. How is it, there's 36 companies, how is it that two of these unicorns are in the same company, Company B1, you and Elisa Tharps? I have no idea. I mean, you know, maybe it has something to do with the whole boys one thing. I have no idea. But again, at the same time, I, you know, I, Elisa, Elisa sent me a message earlier today. I was like, I'll be talking about you today for sure, because she said she didn't think she'd be able to tune in. But, you know, there were two, there were two like, at least pigmentation black people there, but no. She was completely from the same background that all the white girls were from in terms of middle right, class. Right. And um, like, so totally not anything that we, that I could relate to at all. Like to the point where the ignorance in me, just like, who is this chick? Like, what? I don't even know what she is. You know what I mean? So, um, um, so yeah, that's what made it very different in that regard. So just because, which speaks to so much because just because you're both black or you're both whatever, whatever color you are, you're culturally extremely different. 
you know, her dad and her mom were very well educated. They were, you know, classy people. Whereas I did not even understand. I didn't even know that existed. So at, at that point in my life, like, who are you? I'm like, who, where did you come from? Speaking French and went abroad to, um, you know, study abroad, all the, all the things that she did. And I mean, she was just being herself. She wasn't trying to pretend to be anything. She was just being who she was, how she was raped. I had never heard of a cotillion or, or any of that stuff. Remind right. you, I'm coming straight out of the hood for real. So I was like, what is that? She had this coming out so ball. Let me, let me ask you a question. Though. Let me think about this now. So now it's like, you know, 30 years later, a generation later, right? Right. And you have this amazing, you have this amazing family. You got two amazing daughters that are currently in college who are coming into, going into that college, looking, having had an experience much more like Elisa, like Ingrid. Yeah, exactly. I remember my roommate, Bonnie, Bonnie getting, Bonnie getting to West Point. Remember how we used to have the, uh, for a law class, we had the thing where you smoke, they used to have to burn marijuana so you know what it smells like. Right. I thought that was ridiculous. I'm like, how <laughs> it doesn't even smell like it. <laughs> how are you 17, 18 years old and you don't know what weed smells like? I'm like, that's the story of my life. I mean, I grew up smelling it all. Like, how do you not know that? Like, so now my daughter, you know, Kyra, <laughs> she comes up here high school they're, they're doing that at our high school i'm like i got one of those kids <laughs> my daughter you don't know what weed smells like i mean that's a good thing but she's like oh mom we have a burn today i'm like oh what and so yeah i'm like oh my god so it's funny so that's why i can't so now when i think about that whole time with elisa darts i'm like yeah look these are my kids now i got an elisa darts French and the whole nine yards, all of it. Oh my goodness. Going to Columbia, being like, <laughs> studying, you know. Studying just crazy stuff. Yeah. 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 Yeah, was, yeah. Traveled the world already, you know, been to all the kind of Australia, Africa, China. I mean, you know what I'm saying? She's not even, at that point, she wasn't even 19. Yeah. That's awesome, though. I, I mean, you know, both of them. I mean, all of them. All, all of your kids, you know, but the two that are in college, for sure. That's, uh, so, so do you have to, like, educate them? Like, uh, hey, listen, you know, some people may think that, you know, you, like, that, that, you're, that you have street smarts when you don't. I mean, you grew up in this, you know, very sort of, like, bubble kind of, you know, highly... Oh, they, they stick out like a sore thumb. It's, they, they, get the, they get the other side of it. Because, you know, black community, they, they've no, no shame in their game. And they, they, so, you know, they all speak very uh, proper sur- subject verb agreement. And so whenever they go anywhere, it's like, why do you talk like a white girl? I mean, what does that even mean? I mean, this is what they deal with. I mean, all mm-hmm. the time. Uh, but not Kyra. She's at Columbia. So, but. But when they were growing up, even in our, here, which is very diverse, like all kinds of people live here, but you know, because of they've been exposed to so much and they've lived in different places and been exposed to so many different types of people, uh, you know, they get they get harassed by by the the Ingrids of the world, you know, mm-hmm. the young Ingrids of the world. And I get <laughs> it. So <laughs> so I mean and I get it. I'm just like, look, you know, so it it's helpful that I'm their mom. 
on some on some because again for me uh you know the whole code switching you code switch when you have to when you're in certain environments you just you you put on that hat that that requires you to to be in a certain mode but when you know i'm like look you you you, you might not be from the hood but your mother is so just just let me know if you need my help with some mm-hmm. stuff so that that doesn't change Code switching is something that I've come to learn a lot more about having worked now in nonprofit. I mean, I say I've got two, I got two things that keep me on the cutting edge of, of like, um, like wokeness or whatever. Like I, (laughs) I, I work in a nonprofit and so I'm constantly getting, constantly getting challenged on all this shit. And I have a daughter that is, goes to Columbia. And so she's on top of that. She's like a zillionth degree, you know? And so, um, you know, code switching is this idea of when you have to kind of like change your sort of dialect or how you're speaking based upon the environment. Like, and so, um, anyway, I, I've come to, I've come to understand what, what, what that means. That, that and, word. Uh, it's not even a conscious thing though. It's, it's really unconscious. You know what I mean? Cause it's kind of like when I go home and I'm in New Jersey, Ooh, the Jersey accent comes back with, a vengeance and not even on purpose it's not like i'm there and like oh i need to speak in my jersey accent it just kind of happens just based on the environment that you're in it's not mm-hmm. like you constantly think oh i have to code switch no mm-hmm. you're in that environment and you just know that's just that you just fall into that mode you don't like say it's not a conscientious yeah trigger or I, anything like it, that and it is probably a, there's probably this, the word is not code switching, but there's other sort of like forms of this too. Like when I, when I, you know, connect with somebody like you from West Point or wherever, I mean, I, we've automatically got this in or from the military, you've got this instant sort of like knowledge of where each other comes from. And you can kind of like let your guard down a little bit. You can be a little bit less, you know, maybe buttoned up and professional and you can be, you know, more real or whatever. So. Yes, exactly. Right. So, so give me some other, so who are some of the other celebrities in, in B1? I, I see at Lisa, Lisa Buzzkirk, Lisa, I told you the story. Lisa lived across the hallway from me first a year and I got, I got hammered one night, like, um, beyond sort of like, I just, you know, crashed out, fell asleep. I woke up in the morning and I thought my mirror was cracked because <laughs> like, I like went to shave and like, and I like, it looked like there was like a spider web on my mirror, but actually the spider web was on my face because she drawn <laughs> with a magic marker on my face like this uh she and jim montgomery she was a character she is a lit lisa was always funny she had the she was the one that that brought the the even though she wasn't from the south she i felt like she had like a southern accent when she spoke so um she was a lot of fun gail gail was our intellectual one um and bonnie was was our athlete um i was in bonnie's wet wedding i mean what i mean by that bonnie was a runner she was always she was a long distance runner. She's the one that really got me running long distance, which I still do do now. And I was in her wedding, um, which was, you know, many years ago. So I, I wish I was more in touch with all all the ladies. I I, I kind of reach out with Elise on Facebook, but in terms of all of us getting together, I would love to see everyone again. Well, hopefully a 30 year reunion is coming up, which is uh, yeah. only a year and a half, only a year and a half. Now. So, you know, let's take a, a quick sort of digression for a second to talk about okay. the purpose of this podcast, why we're doing it and what we're trying to achieve. And, and um, so this, this is our 27th or 28th episode of the old grad podcast. 
And the idea here is really just, it's, it's to reconnect with each other. We, we are able to reconnect to some degree through Facebook. Um, but you know, it's good to be able to hear people's voices and to kind of hear what they're up to and kind of move beyond just like the sort of stereotypical, like beautiful Facebook version of reality and kind of hear some of the trials and tribulations of our, of our classmates. Um, so right. we want to re- so we want to rekindle those connections. We want to, we want to also remember our fallen classmates, which you have a fallen classmate story, which we want to talk about. Right. We want to connect uh, more to the activities at West Point and uh, specifically to our class giving goal, which is to be at 91% participation rate for a class and also have $1.5 million raised by the time of our 30th reunion. And then also to celebrate the accomplishments of our classmates and where necessary to lift each other up. And so um, Ingrid, uh, Company B1 is at 65% giving rate, which is actually now center mass for our class. We're, we're at 65% as a class. So when we started the Overgrad Podcast, we're about 42%. So we've actually driven that up quite a bit. I okay. thank you for your, I thank you for being one of the, one of the people who has been counted as having given to our, to our, um, to our class gift. Um, I'm hoping that others may, who may listen to this will also, um, see to it that they also get counted. We, I think getting to 91% is a goal that is achievable. It, if we get there, we will be the most generous class in Academy history. So that's our oh. goal. Okay. And uh, I would love to be standing there in the, uh, on the football field, you know, handing them that big check and, and being able to say like class of 91, you know, we lived up to our, our, our class motto, duty shall be done, stepping it up and supporting, supporting our, uh, our, our great uh, alma mater. Um, and so our, our, uh, so in terms of getting, getting reconnected to classmates and being able to, you know, kind of see each other and, and, uh, see like establish those reconnections in, in, in person, that's going to be, that's a year and a half away. So it'll be in October of 2021 that we have our, our reunion. Right. Right. So wow, 30 years, Somebody's 30 getting, years. It's crazy. Older. It's it's, it's, old, Jamie. it's real. It's real. This gray hair is real. This is not a, it's not a joke. <laughs> but you know what, though? I wouldn't believe it looking at you. How do you stay in such amazing shape? What's your secret? You look like you're still 21 years old to me. Wow. Uh, well, Kendra is one. My daughter. That <laughs> that is I wish I felt like I was 21, but thank you. I'll just put it, put it that way. But um, now I still I I like to run when I can. Yeah, my my son is in the background. He was like, "You trying to keep up with me?" So, yeah. <laughs> He's so I would ask him. Come, you want me to say hi? Let's yeah. get him on there. We want to see him. Yeah, he's he's mad because um, we we had a little uh, discussion. He had a huge afro and he wouldn't keep he wouldn't comb it. And I was like, "Brother, you're gonna have to comb that thing, or I'm gonna braid it up." So. Mm. So right now it's braided and he's mad that, so I think after these braids come out, he'll keep it comb. Mm. So he's like, no, I'm not coming on here. <laughs> it's, it was huge. And I'm like, look, it's too much. I can't, I can't keep up with it. So he's like, here's the one he likes his hair. Are you going to say hi? Come on. Come on, buddy. Come on, Mason. There he is. There he is. Hey, buddy. Hi. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. So you're a basketball you? player. What? So what's your what's your um what what position you play? Uh, point guard. Nice. 
Nice. And you're on the AU team. Your mom says your AU team is pretty good. How was the name of it? TNBA. TNBA is our um, Cavs, you know, Cavs team. Not, not that we're good anymore since LeBron left. But um, uh, TNBA is the subset, is the AAU version of mm-hmm. under the Cavs organization. It's like so the feeder, can, the feeder program. Well, yeah. hopefully, but no. But you know what I'm saying? Like all the, like they get to interact with the some of the trainers from the Cavs, that kind of stuff. So like Chris Chris Grant is a name that's popular, but he's a uh, he was the he used to be the GM for Cavs. But he's his kids on our team. He he's always hanging out with with us and the kids and stuff like that. So they get kind of they're the supposed to be the, like the best kids in the area because they made the TNBA black team. So awesome. That's their thing. So you got, the team. you got to meet LeBron, you said, huh? Oh yeah. My very first commercial with, was with LeBron. So I was, I'm, I'm literally a, a starstruck geek. So I was sitting there. So the commercial was when he first came back and it was like, uh, we're all in together. And, and so he came into the auditorium and I, m- one of my, one of the roles in the thing I was sitting with coach, what's the name coach? Name? Kevin. Huh? Kevin. No, the other, his high school coach. Uh, yeah, I was sitting with his high school coach and his mom and usual. Yeah. So then LeBron looked over and he waved and uh, I looked behind and he was waving at me. I was like, hi. <laughs> 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 it was it was all giddy, you know what I mean. So, yeah. So he came around. He was real nice to all the people that were a part of the commercial. So, yeah. And that so, how cool. many commercials have you been in? You've been in a couple of them. There's one that yeah, I, I actually up. have a like. I have a ton of. There's only a couple that are on television. And then the rest are like um, things that you do, like Kirby. Um, uh, a lot of condominiums like when people go to buy a house or buy or condo they they see these little videos of what life is like in their condo i'm on those type of videos um that type of thing but that whole thing started really in 2015 i went to california and i was part of this talent contest um and i won or placed I was in nine different events, and out of eight out of nine, I finished in like the top three. It was hold, hold, hold on, hold on. So, I, gotta, I gotta back this up. I gotta back this up. This is this is rich content. So 2015. How, so how does this talent? So is it like so like they're like, hey, we're looking for talented people that can do these things. No, and, no. So it's like an inter, it was an international modeling talent competition. It's called IMTA, International Modeling Talent something. They have it. It was in California, and um. So you got people from all over the country and some international people. And, you know, you, you get put in all these different categories um, from, from photography to, um, what's it called? Uh, I'm losing the name of it. But you have different sections that you, you have commercials and you also have where you do the just the reads themselves, how you deal with sides, that kind of thing. And at the end, so it's a week long. So after the end of the week, you, they have this big award show. And then there's a couple fashion shows as well that you're in for the fashion part of it. And at the end of the week, you get all your awards. So I got an award for 
eight of the nine categories that are then. So only the top five get awards. So in all those categories, I finished in top five and eight out of nine of them. So hold on, oh, wow. I can share my screen. <laughs> I just That's did a Google hilarious. search for your name. Hold on, I just did this Google search. Look at all there's all these pictures of you. Holy smack, I've not seen this one right here. What is that? What? <laughs> this one with the leg up. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm looking at. That's Holy what... cow. That's <laughs> I know, that's awful. <laughs> I don't even remember that picture. Yeah, so... So that's how that happened. Cool. So PMTM is the agency that, that I'm through, and that's how we get to those commercials. So that's where the LeBron thing came from, and then the one that they show all the time still is the Wayside commercial. And that one... The, the person that was charge, the person that was in charge of that was um, had something to do with their, their father went to West Point. Oh, really? I'm, re I'm really believing that's why, because I didn't even audition for that commercial. Like usually, mm. commercials you have to audition for. For I just said they want you to show up at this location to record this commercial. Like, and I went there and we did it. You know, it didn't take long. They gave you the script. They pretty much told you how to read it and what to and like even every you know, intonation and everything. So it didn't take long to do. You just repeated what they said the way they wanted you to say it. And that was it. And oh, there was one question you did ask me prior to this. You asked me about um, the advantages of going to West Point. I feel like we're jumping all around here, but I did want That's to share okay. this story. Like when we got, when I got out of the military, um, well, this is kind of a sad and happy story. Well, we're still at outreach at West Point you know, you get exposed to a lot of um, headhunters and just people trying to transition you out of the army because you are a West Pointer. You're kind of done with your military commitment and um, you either are going to go to your um, advanced course or you're going to get out because you can't. So long story short, we met this guy, D.C. Adams, who's class of, I want to say 78. And he was working at Proctor. He was part of the whole um, recruitment staff. And he recruited both my husband and I to work at Procter Gamble. And in the midst of that, so in the midst of that year, right before we we're about to get out um, in that May, June time, he was in a plane accident and, and passed away. So, mm. um, so then after that, um, we still hadn't done our interviews for Procter Gamble and, um, it's time for me to do my interview. And you know those comprehensive interviews where there's like 11 people you have to go and see for the whole day. So I was at a plant, uh, Ivy Girl food plant for Procter & Gamble. I go in there and I meet with one, one lady who turns out to be my mentor for years. She's awesome. And then I meet with the plant manager. So this is just the second person. I'm expecting to be there all day to meet all these people for this comprehensive interview. And I get there to the plant manager and he's like, you know what? I'm not, I'm just going to offer you this job. I got a call from Steve Korach, class of 78 West Pointer. He told me you're a good girl and I'm just going to hire you right now. I'm not going to have you go through this interview. So mind you, I never met a Steve Korach from class of 78, but he made a phone call and I and that was it. Yeah. So then I did later meet Steve Korach, who was class of uh, 68 actually. And, you know, got to meet him and his family and just amazing. But he was also great friends 
a mentor to DC who had passed away in a plane crash, and that's how that happened. I was like, oh, Long Gray Line is for real. I mean, but not did not know that. But that was it. Really, was true in that circumstance. Well, P and G is P and G is the most like kind of wired up for West Point companies that there is. I think you know. Oh, I mean? it is. It, yeah, it was really easy for a West Pointer to excel there, um, especially I think a a junior officer, in terms of because P and G usually just starts from below and 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 um you know you work your way up. That's how it used to be. They used to not hire in higher senior ups you know what i mean you kind of worked mm-hmm. your way through the company so it was really easy you're still in that that military mentality of you work you work a certain couple years in a rank and you move up that type of thing so it was easy to excel what did you do there what was your like were you like a brand manager or something or no well again you start as a line manager and then i quickly was a um department manager and then from there transferred to um Switzerland, and that's when I had the three girls in less than three years, and then one of them started having only seizures and stuff. And so um, I resigned from P and G once we got back from while we were in Switzerland. While you're in Switzerland, you were so now. Um, so Kendra, Kendra was Kendra's your daughter that has uh, autism. Right, um, right. She, but she began. So this was a. I mean, it sounds like this is. Um, she had seizures when she was a baby, basically. So, so yeah, you, you knew yeah. that there was something not right, even before right. the typical ages and stages developmental milestones, right? Yeah, she's uh, yeah. So she's very severe on the spectrum. And she has seizures. She's not verbal, very hyper. Um, just, just all of it. Just, just, just yeah. So she's been in ICU three times. So the last ICU, they weren't sure she was going to make it out. Oh, uh, you know. She did. So um, how, how long? How long ago was that? Uh, that was. It's been a minute. It's. Um. She's twenty now. So she was. Eleven. Um, okay. Time. So it's been a while. So she's. Okay. Yeah. So she's been okay. She, but seizures started again. So we have. So let's say eleven up until a year ago. She didn't have any seizures, and all these seizures started again out of nowhere. And, a year um, ago. Did she take an anti-seizure medicine? The whole time she had been, it had been adjusted, you know, the whole, whatever needed right. to be done. Even prior to that, we were, we were the uh, kids, we're in California, which is a great place for autism research. We were at the forefront. Dr. Rimlin was still alive. He was considered the father of autism. We were in all these different studies, you know, to kind of help with that. We are part of that whole um, TACA, talk about a cure for autism. We were part, Jenna McCartney made it kind of more famous with her, but we were with all those ladies with all the different diets that are now popular now, the casein-free, gluten-free diet, and we did it all. And um, she was kind of, con- she was considered a non-responsive to a lot of things, but, you know, I felt like a lot of those modalities kept us that whole 10-year gap with no seizures. And mm-hmm. then, don't know what happened, something happened, but so far we've been good. She hasn't had one for about five months now so i'm just hoping that we're done with it and you know we're not gonna repeat that cycle again because it's horrible because they're like you know they'll run the game and mask firing throwing up it's just all involved so uh, that is what kind of put a damper on just the continued corporate climb for myself you know working for Packard gamble so as a result of that it's when i started doing my personal training stuff and I would be on TV on the time. I was on the news a lot, you know, the fitness person. 
the fitness advisory person for our local news station. And um, then from there, because of Kendra's issues, I went to, and got went to medical massage therapy school. Specifically, it was it's more of a it's you, so you get a medical license um, for that just to to help with some of it deals with um, just proprioceptive training for the kid because they always say autistic people feel in a different way. So I just wanted to make sure I knew that type of therapy to do for her. So and does it work? Does it help her? Well, I think so. I feel as though it helps her. She's not afraid to be touched. You know what I mean? She's not afraid to of any of that type of stuff. But that is a it's a twenty four seven type of job, really. And you are just the super mom, the the uh, gritty grits person to do just that thing. Yeah, I'm not super mom though. You know, I. I there are certainly some super kids. I mean, I sort I, I, you know, over the years, I've seen things that your daughters, that your daughters have done. Um, one of which was, I think, a video that somebody made of, of your yeah, family. Yeah, she made it for, she did it for a sophomore year. It's one of the years for a private school projects to kind of make more awareness about autism for her school. So, the, yeah, it's like 20,000. I mean, that was a few years ago, but now it's still on YouTube. I think it's got over 20,000 views now. So it's just like, wow, mom, it's still making an impact. <laughs> Which is good. And that, that video can be taken today, even though it was three years ago. Same drama, different day up in here. But, yeah. You said that you think that maybe because your kids see how challenged you guys are with, with Kendra, that they just know that they have to just be phenomenally great kids like there's not you never really had to work hard at parenting the other three because they just know they have to step it up huh yeah I mean and they're great siblings too in terms of uh not being because I have some friends who have kids with special needs regardless of what those needs are and they're asking how are you not because I go out in public you don't really see any other kids out in public like Kendra except for tearing stuff up so she's well known at Walmart you know for tearing up some stuff and whatever other stuff place we go because people don't bring their kids out like that some and I can't even bring her out as much as I used to because she's she's taller and she's stronger than me now so if one of my other girls aren't with me then we don't I can only go so far with her because she just drags me around but um but uh just in terms of with the other kids they're great siblings to her they're not embarrassed by her that's the point I was trying to make some some parents are like how are you not embarrassed or how are your kids not embarrassed by who she is because I make a joke out of it especially when she starts showing out in a public place I was like oh we forgot our tip cup we're a walking show you're you're, you're welcome to donate because we need it you know just make fun really? of it and people start laughing yeah so so I hope you can talk about I just thought about things that people make people laugh because I want to tell the story about Monique because I felt okay. like she put me on blast the last time we were on here um just in terms of Monique, she is funny. I love this girl to death. But I have to tell you, um, we're in Texas, right? And so she's in this motorcycle gang club. Which, by gang. the way, I mean, my friend Joe, who was helping me do this podcast for a while, he kept talking about it. He said, I want to meet this Monique. <laughs> I got to meet this, this heat-packing, bike-riding lady. <laughs> Wait a minute. This, this lady... This woman right here is hilarious. So, okay, she had some medical stuff going on, and 
she couldn't ride her bike. So I flew to Texas to be with her because there was this family reunion for the Rough Riders. Like, she's a true Rough Rider. So the only person that was really allowed to say ride or die is Monique Washington because she was a real Rough Rider and she was like the state secretary. Anyway, it was their family reunion, meaning that all these Rough Riders came in from, they were all in um, Austin, Texas. And, um, you know, it's my first time being around bikers at this level. It's hundreds of them, right? So I didn't realize that bikers have groupies, like these girls are all, these women are everywhere. And it's just really crazy. And I'm like, wow. They have this run. And um, and I'm, I'm driving one of the trucks. At the, am I driving the truck yet? I think I'm just riding the truck at this point. Um, but we go on this really long run. So you got like hundreds of bikes. And we stop at this one uh, gas station that's kind of out in the middle of Texas. And uh, all these black bikers, they get off, they got on their black leather, they're black men, and they all start walking into the convenience store. <laughs> the convenience store of the gas station. And it's this white man in there, and he looks like he's about to die. He's horrified. He's like, <gasps> like his face is like, what? Look, <laughs> please, don't, please don't, please don't hurt me. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Please he's don't hurt like, me. Please don't. Yeah. He's like trembling, and Monique walks in there, lot laughing, just laughing, calling the man boo boo. She's like, hey boo boo, boo boo, boo boo. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We got jobs now. These bikes are money. Anyway, the man goes from being terrified to literally laughing his head off because of her coming in there calling the man boo-boo. She's like, hey, boo-boo. <laughs> hey, boo-boo. It's okay. I'm like, this girl's crazy. So everybody starts laughing in the store because he was terrified of all these black people and this black leather with all these bikes coming in there. I was like, it, it takes some Monique, it takes some Monique Washington to make that moment funny. It was, I just stands out of my mind as one of the funniest times. You had to be there to kind of see the whole tension and then him going from being tense to just laughing hysterically. We, we were taught, so, you know, we did this little fire palooza. Um, the company F1 got back together again and we went to the Dominican Republic, which was awesome. We had a great time. Oh, and, wow. And I had just done the podcast with Monique. This is like, you know, so Monique was like one of my first ones. This is like a year and a half ago. And I was, we were talking, we're just like, so it was, it was me and it was, you know, all the F1 people. We had three of our four female classmates who were there. So Stephanie Souther was there, Libby Boggs was there and uh, Sharon DeCrane. And so I was an F1, she was an F2, I think. So we would always have summer stuff together. And like, so, so that everybody kind of knew each other. And so right. Stephanie, Stephanie Souther did Buckner with, um, with Monique, <laughs> <laughs> they did infantry week together. And he, uh, and so she, so Stephanie was telling us the story about how Monique was arguing with the, um, with the RI that it's like <laughs> against, it's against army regulations for, for a woman to be in the field without a shower for more than four days. <laughs> So we need to go in and take showers. It's against army regulations. <laughs> That's what she was trying to say. Trying to say. <laughs> I'm not right. <laughs> she will make you laugh no matter oh my, what. Oh my god! Yeah. There's some yeah. funny stories from that place. Yeah. So. 
Okay, so you so you said we did Buckner together. Were you were you the company commander? Yeah, Buckner. We, we you and I were in the same company. Yeah, we as as uh, firsties. Okay, so that's terrible because like it. I had to think about that after you said. I'm like, okay, so Jim said he was Buckner too, so he must have been the company commander. Because I remember that that Buckner um, detail was hilarious. Um, and uh, the one memory I have from that summer in terms of the different people, I remember hanging out. So I've been drunk twice in my life. One time was at Buckner. The other time was my husband's 25th birthday. All right. So I was there the first time. <laughs> Me, you, Brooks Cretion, Joe Tanona, so Jeff Brooks, Jack, Kate <laughs> so DeJarnett. Because we, he and I were leaned over this banister. And you fell right over. Did we right? fall over? You know, I remember you falling over a desk. <laughs> falling over a desk in the, okay, in the no, barracks. Okay, so after we fell, I do remember on the floor after falling over a desk, but what I do remember the most is being in the back of whatever that is, leaned, leaned over the banister. Both of us just chucking out, just throwing <laughs> up chunks because first of all, I didn't even drink. So I, I, I so had, you never drank. So you never drank. I mean, you like n never in high school. Never ever. No, uh, uh, no, uh, no. And it was funny because you know I was always that kid. I was always always that kid. Goody two shoes. The goody two shoes. Literally, but because I remember in high school, true story. I'm at I'm at friend's house. Everybody's you know it's like we're seniors, and um it's, it's June and and I'm and I like want to drink. It's like I want to try something. And everybody in the house. These are my own peers. My own Pierce is like, no, no, you can't have any. You're not like us. Go home. They literally kicked me out it, of the party. Stopped, they stopped. Kicked me out of the party. They kicked me out of the party. But I, I think states were coming up. Anybody state, you know, state track meet was coming up. But I'm like, okay, aren't, aren't y'all supposed to be leading me down the dirty path here? Y'all kicking me out of the party. Telling me, so they literally kicked me out and told me. So you had to wait to get. You had to wait to get a West Point to get led down the, <laughs> exactly. the bad path. There, I had to right? wait get around y'all and yeah. know, get drunk and throw up in the back of a, a whatever those 10 things were. We were the barracks. Yeah. yeah. I, well, what I was telling you, what I remember, I remember specifically, and I've used this before later in life, and I even told my kids this, you, you would say PMA, PMA people, like during in between right. weeks, this positive mental attitude. It's all about right. the attitude. You can, can, there's many things in this, in this world you cannot control, but the one thing you can always control is your own attitude, PMA. Yeah. I remember that. I to this day, I mean, like that Ingrid Powell. That is what I remember the most from you in terms of my learning summer. from you. Yeah, well, also how I learned from you as a as a peer. You know, like that was a. Oh, that's cool. So did you know, did you know about that summer? Though? Did you hear about? Do you remember that, um, Lieutenant Connell? Remember. I don't know if you were there or not, but we had that March that summer and that Lieutenant Colonel who was, he wasn't, he was a guest for the summer from one of the units and during infantry week would not give us water. He wouldn't give us water. And I, and I would, and I was a platoon sergeant and I would ask this guy, and he thought it was funny. I'm like he, we kept walking past the Buffalo, the water Buffalo. And I'm like, so we need water. So long story short, we had like four or five cadets after we had to go up this really steep hill. Four or five humans just, just dropped, like just mm -hmm. dropped. And um, there was an investigation about the whole thing. And um, I wound, wound up getting recognized by somebody, some, some 
higher up at school for how the situation was was handled but it was it was really crazy what happened that summer with that particular guy he wasn't again part of west point he was he was he was not a grad or anything he was just there for the summer training he was uh, from one of the units training us exactly right 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 yeah Yeah. it was a mess i do remember i do remember this one guy being kind of a nut job that was like um it was during infantry week and we were like setting up our our like uh company headquarters you know i mean i look at this i look back at this now and i think like i would have taken this guy's position but i remember he was like he's like all right well you know uh you know uh cadet you gotta dig in you gotta you know run the wire you gotta you know do all this kind of stuff i'm like sir like we're in charge here we're like the yearlings the ones that are doing this we're we're not doing this we're we're the gray he's like no you're doing this I like this is for this is training for you as well, cadet. I'm like, no, it's not. I'm like in charge here. Like those kids are doing the training. And he, I remember he made me and this um, the training NCO like dig like a like a six foot deep um, uh, foxhole. And I was like, right. this is bullshit. They're like, but now I look back, I'm like, yeah, that guy was right. Like, like this is not just for the um, for the yearlings to get trained. But I'm, I remember that right. guy like hazing me. I'm like, I'm the company commander. I'm like in charge of everything that's going on around here, like I got these administrative duties. He's like, no, fuck that. Get in the hole, cadet, and dig it. And, you know, you got to, you know, and it. I look back on it now, I'm like, yeah, actually, actually the guy was right, you know, so. Right, right, right. Yeah, but this dude, was, he was crazy. This mm-hmm. dude was not all there. Like, it no, was I mean, hot as heck. And so why, why are we not drinking water? Right, that's just stupid. It was water. Just... It wasn't like, you know, anything that was tactical. It was just water. People need to drink water. I think old school, old school army used to do that. You used to try to like, tr- you know, do water deprivation to get you ready for it or some stupid thing. But I think that, that kind of went out with the, uh, with the eighties, you know, doing that work. Right. 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 So, yeah. um, you know, I, I want to jump back. You're talking about Goody Two Shoes, Ingrid Powell. You had a story about coming home, plebe year. And oh, yeah. you had, uh, you, your, your brother's, had some challenges growing up, right? And right, so right, right. One, so one brother basically the saw brother, an opportunity. Yeah, he did, but that I didn't even know was real. But you know, he, he knew he he had the foresight. I didn't. So this one that had a uh, got caught with with drugs. Um, it was just a little more than what would be considered personal use. So uh, he had to go to court, and he asked me to go to court with him, and I wore my dress gray there and so he's there this is during christmas this is during this christmas. Is like christmas break yeah and so the judge is like uh you know he comes up there and, he, and he's saying who he is and the, and the judge just gives him some kind of lecture and he's like he looks at me, at me he's like what's your name and i'm like i'm i'm um ingrid ingrid powell and he's like is this your brother i go yeah and he looks at my brother he goes well she's a west one cadet so there must be some good in you I'm dropping your charges. <laughs> he dropped his charges. <laughs> yeah, so that's what happened there. So I was like, "Wow, he just got his charges dropped." You know, I you know I rode that train for a little while. I was like, "Bro, I just got your charges dropped. What do I get?" <laughs> <laughs> and then he he struggled later in life, but he finally he got his act together pretty good. Yeah, huh? he did. He's, yeah, he got his act together. Now he's a he's the grandpa. He's got like three little grandkids now i mean he's 
you know, he's a good he's a good guy now. It totally changed. If Jeff Simpson's listening, he knows who's well. Monique obviously knows who it is, but um, Jeff Uncle Stevie, my my brother Stevie knows who he is. Yeah, he's Pat Pat now. It's hilarious. I'm like, oh, you say you Pat Pat now? That's what his fan gets called. Where's he live? See when he get old. Where Where's he live? He's still in Newark. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So my parents have both passed away. My other siblings are in Newark. My sister's in Princeton somewhere. Mm-hmm. But my brothers are all in Newark. Well, no, that's not true. One of the brothers, the one that struggled the longest with drug addiction, he he is in um he's in the South, North Carolina. He's in North Carolina. Yeah. So where's your where's your husband's family from? Columbus, Ohio. So they are nice. From the CO, true Buckeye fans. So now, that's gonna. I mean, you are. It's not uncommon, I think, to have you know um, uh, marriages from across classes and both West Pointers and stuff. But you say your 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 interaction on this is a little unique, right? Like you're kind of rah rah West Point. And he's a little bit more like ah, uh, uh, you know, it's just like ah, uh, like, uh, uh, West Point. Yeah, it's completely yeah. So you know. He is, uh, is, is your father awake? No. Uh, <laughs> what, well, you gonna bring him on? <laughs> There's no way. Yeah, where is he? No is, he is he awake? No. No, he goes to this, he goes to this 5 o'clock, uh, class in the morning for, uh, fitness class, so I don't know if he's up, I don't even know what time. Yeah, so he is, so, whatever. He's anti-West He's older. He's older, so he's better. Like, he's calmed down a bit. But yeah. he used to be so... <laughs> He's snoring. He's snoring back. Yeah. So, yeah. But he still has his uh, friends that he keeps in touch with. It's, 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 a, it's small in number. And they don't even, they already know he's, he's, he's like that. But he's a, he's a big personality in person. But when he's not in person, he's kind of just to himself. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, he's anti. I had to kind of trick him into going to. So he had a friend that was uh, the worked for the football team for a little while at West Point. So when it was time for their 25th reunion, he went to see Gaylord Green is his name. He went to visit Gaylord Green, who's class of 93, actually. But he went to visit him. And while he was there, they went to just kind of went to the football game, but wasn't really a part of the 25th reunion activities. But he did get to see a lot of his classmates. Mm-hmm. So he, I mean, he's a member of the football team. He still loves his football player friends, but he doesn't keep in touch with them, but he thinks they're all right. cool. But, you know, we were kind of saying, too, like, I've been trying really hard to make sure that this podcast is uh, not just necessarily, like, people that I know well. I mean, if I, some, of the best, some of the best conversations I've had, I've had is with classmates I didn't know at all, like, like, like right, right. and, 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 um, and, but, you know, the idea is to, like, create, like, a level of kind of, like, diversity and have, you know, inclusiveness around different companies and, you know, B1. I didn't have anybody on B1. And, you know, we've got a certain mix of, you know, um, female classmates and male classmates, career Army officers, non-career Army, Army officers. And, and so I, in some of my conversations with people, getting them onto this podcast has been like, oh, I don't really have a story. Like, oh, like you know, I, I, I don't want to go on. Like, I, I have not, like, some haven't done like this CEO thing or whatever. And, and right. I think this was kind of like what your husband was saying. It's like, it gets to be like this, almost like a, like a one-upmanship kind of a thing, which is 
like the whole West Point sort of reunion dynamic, like, you know, I'm this, I'm that, like this kind of like everybody's got to be like some sort of like, you know, getting to the top of some hill. Um, I think right. as we get older, it becomes less of that. I hope it does. I think it kind of does, you know. Right, um, right, right. But the reality is like these are real stories. Like we've all, like everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a story of trial and tribulation and, and accomplishment and setback. I mean, I mean, we want this to be real. You know, I love the fact that you came on, you talk about your, you know, your, your story about growing up in, in Newark and your brothers and, and, and the challenges with your daughter and the, and the triumphs with your beautiful children and how awesome they are. And, um, you know, having to take a step back, you know, having to kind of step back from climbing the corporate ladder because of your focus on, you know, being a mom and specifically being a mom to, to Kendra. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, I'm so, I'm so proud to know you. I'm so, so happy of, oh, of all that you've done. You know, I mean, that PMA thing back when we were, when we were cadets, you know, I still, I just, I remember that. I think you exude that, that positive mental energy, that positive mental attitude. Um, we're kind of, we're getting to the end of this podcast time, but I just wonder like, if you have a few like nuggets of wisdom or things you would want to leave with us as, as a class uh, to, to, to kind of a message to our classmates. Wow. Um, just in terms along the lines of what you just said about the reunions, just in terms of, I think, I hope everybody just continues to come really because, you know, we just lose people. I've lost my parents. I've lost some really great friends. And, you know, tomorrow's not promised to any one of us. So it's like just, just whenever we have this opportunity now, really to come together, just to, just to be, it's only a weekend. Seriously, you, you can put up with anybody for a weekend. It's like you usually count down the days when you're pleading to your graduating. So it's like just, just, just really see the light in each other that, you know, that we all bring to this earth for the short amount of time that we're here and uh, just to embrace and enjoy each other um, and to see the good <laughs> and I guess to have the positive mental attitude even in the worst of times um, because you can't change your circumstances but you can change your response to them. Sounds like a cliche but really sometimes it's the only thing that's going to get you to the next moment. That really would be it. Those are great, great words to, uh, to live by. You know, we didn't talk about, I wanted to maybe go back to this because you mentioned about not every day is not every day is a guarantee. Um, you knew John Tyner, you guys were stationed together. Yes. At Fort Polk, right? Yes. I saw him right before he went out for that field exercise. He was, you know, because I don't know how well I knew him at the Academy, but I felt like I did because I know when I saw him at, it was more than just a casual hello whenever we did see each other. Like when we saw each other, it was like, you know, old like cousins or family. Oh, hi, how you doing? You know, like right. it was, uh, you know, very kindred spirits there. So I remember just kind of waving at him. He was, you know, it was all in his field gear and stuff. And I, and I was think I was in mine too, because we were, we were both constantly in and out of the field and um, just kind of waved at him from a distance. And then I heard that it, it shook me. It's, so it was that very day, that very day or the next the, day that he... Uh, it was within hour, yeah, within like the 24-hour period. I was just like, what? This wow. cannot be true. That happened to me also in the Army. Um, uh, Major, Major, Major Minor is his name. He, uh, we were the last, 
It's not his last. His last name is not minor. But anyway, we were the last two um, at the battalion. This February thirteenth, whatever year that was. Last two in the battalion. Uh, this West Wing class of '86 or something like that. And um, I was like, okay, sir. He's like, I didn't get, I didn't get a Valentine's Day gift from my wife yet. I was like, that's all right, sir. You can get one in the morning. February fourteenth. He's on his bike, and he gets killed. Wow. So, you know, so we were the last two literally walking out of the battalion that night. I was S1 working on something, and he just happened to be coming out of his office at the same time. It was like the time we got to do all personnel reports or whatever. He just happened to be walking out to his car, and I see him with the last two cars in the parking lot, and he makes that statement. And I'm just like, what? This is not, it's not even happening. So yeah, he got hit by, um, he got hit by somebody on, he was coming out of a driveway, like a public, um, you know, one of those little strip mall things. And then this lady just slammed right into him. Wow. That's why we got to make every day count. Right. And that's why I got to maintain that positive mental attitude. Who knows, who knows what, uh, you know, what's in store for us, you know, but, I um again. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to you for what you're doing with all the homeless. Um, you and Becky. Also yeah. Get to talk. I also didn't get a good shout out to Kevin Barry, who was also a professor, and what yeah, he's doing. Kevin Barry. Yes, with his son, and um, just I wish I would have made it to the services, but how he has turned this into a message of hope and for um just the youth around our country who are struggling with this. Thanks so much. I'm so grateful for everything that Kevin is doing and just for all the wonderful things that our classmates are doing out there that I might not have mentioned, but I wanted to make sure I got um, you and Becky, especially, um, and Kevin, the three that, that I'm well aware of what you're doing and um, how you're helping soldiers, how you're helping the homeless, how you're helping deal with this whole chaos of suicide. Crazy. Well, everybody has a little niche in the world, right? And so we just do what we can and make it a little bit better every day. That's the that's our motto. That's the way that uh, that's what we committed to, right? Duty yes, shall be done. Yes. All yes. right. So, so with that final with that final point, I'm going to probably just stop the record button here. We can stay on and talk a little bit longer, but uh, I'm going to play the outro music, and uh, and then that will be the end for this uh, episode. Thank you so much, Inger Powell, for being my guest on the Old Grad Podcast. Thank you.